Hello everyone, this is Pastor Scott. And this is Pastor Don from Good Samaritan Lutheran Church here in Las Vegas. And you're listening to Good News from Good Sam, our podcast. This is where we go deeper into our weekly message and give you some spiritual food for the week. So we hope that you enjoy listening today and always feel free to share it with some of your friends as well. Absolutely. We just hope that our time together today will bless you and that will bring you a little bit closer to God and His love for you. Hi, welcome to Deeper. Hi, everyone. Good to see you guys. Well, we can't actually see you, but thanks for joining us. We should probably go deeper with your sermon and welcome the people that are listening on the podcast version of Deeper as well. Yeah, great. Welcome, guys. Good to have you here. So this week we are starting to get to the end of our sermon series, Hope and Healing. And we have, what were some of the the topics that we've done so far? We talked about, the first one we talked about just the the difference that hope makes in your life. But what else have we talked about over the last few weeks? Uh, talked about playing um, to your strengths. Playing to your strengths. That's right. I actually did that, so I should remember. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Talked about spiritual gifts, meaning yeah. what are our gifts, talents, and abilities. Last week, Natalie talked about um, refusing to go it alone. I like that. That was that was good too. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't tuned in and, and watched any of the previous sermons, you can. You can go to our website at goodsamlv.com and just you'll be able to get to the sermons from the weeks previous if you would like to catch any of those but this week we're going to be talking about this idea of leaning into your faith a little bit um how important faith the the important role that faith plays in our lives as we lean into our faith um and last week natalie had mentioned some of the people that had responded to her her email about kind of sharing their stories. And one of the people that she talked about was Miriam Dake. Mm. And uh, we spent a fair amount of time watching some testimonies from Miriam because I think her story is very fascinating. She was, uh, when she came back to Las Vegas, they had lived elsewhere and they came back to Las Vegas. And shortly after they came to Las Vegas, her husband was diagnosed with leukemia, very acute leukemia. So he only was given six months to live and he lasted about seven and so she had to journey with him. And they pretty much knew from the very beginning that his, his prognosis was going to be, was, was pretty bad and that he wouldn't survive. So she kind of spent those six, seven months living in the hospital and just kind of being with him as he went through that, uh, those final days of his life. And her testimony is very powerful. So once again, if you haven't had a chance to go and see the sermon, I, you should do that because she, uh, she highlights a lot of ways that God worked in her life through that difficult period and gave her a great sense of strength and peace, even in the midst of dealing with all the pain. Yeah. Uh, and if you did hear this, I mean, I wasn't here last week, mm-hmm. so I had to go in and, and, and watch on YouTube. And, you know, I think if you're going through some difficult times down the road too, that might just be something good to come back to because right. a lot of what she said is very uh, practical as well, mm-hmm. um, but hope-filled very in hope-filled. the midst of... Um, difficult times. And, and that's yeah. why we were doing this series in the first place, because there are a lot of people going through tough stuff. Absolutely, they are. Yeah. And uh, the, one of the first, you know, we had, have our several points that we like to get to when we talk about leaning into your faith. Um, Tommy, what are some of the takeaways that you, you had from the sermon this past week? 
Um, well, I felt pretty attacked when you called out control freaks. <laughs> Thankfully, I wasn't here in person to raise my hand. I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> it's funny because only about seven or eight people raise their hand each service. I was like, all right, I know there's more of you out there than that. But you don't want to, you know, it's losing control to put your hand up in the air like that in front of right. all those people. Absolutely. Well, I think my biggest takeaway, I think um, because I've heard um, Miriam's kind of story about that experience before too, mm-hmm. I, I love hearing it because it's also a reminder of like, um, for me, I have a lot of fear of what bad things could happen. Mm-hmm. And um, that's probably part of my control stuff. But I think hearing someone's experience who had to live through it and how they were able to you know, lean into their faith in those situations and make it through, um, yeah. it, it does help provide hope in the uh, thought process anyway of like, oh, what if this happens? Well, if it happens, look, look how these other people have handled it when they've leaned into their faith. So I could, I could handle it too. Even if, if that makes sense, you know, even though that thing is not happening to me in the moment, it's something that I, I kind of spend a lot of energy on, which I probably shouldn't. Um, so I did take that. I we're took that we're working with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that wasn't one of the kind of the points we made in the sermon, but that was something that she really, well, she did kind of mention that in the whole letting go and letting God and just letting go of the things you can't control because she very much... Uh, try to control it early on. She talked about how if we just eat the right foods and do the right exercises, you know, maybe we can get him healthy and well again. And it took about a month, so it wasn't like it happened overnight, but it took her about a month to realize as he got sicker and sicker and the prognosis stayed pretty much the same, that no matter what she did, her husband was going to die. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it wasn't until she got to an, a, a sense of acceptance with that and just kind of placing that in God's hands that she was then able to receive the peace that came from that acceptance. Because there uh, there's a wonderful poem, and I wish I had it in front of me, that talks about in acceptance lies peace. And he kind of goes, first I tried this, and then I tried this, and tried this, and none of these things brought me peace until I finally gave it to God and accepted what was going to happen. And it was at that point that I was able to experience peace. And that's kind of what she said in her testimony. And I... I think that's really, really good. Because yeah, I, I, you know, I was thinking about listening to her, and as you were saying that, and Tommy was saying that too. I think, I mean, my observation in myself, but I see it in other people too, is we spend so much time worried about or thinking about or trying to change things that we just can't change. Yeah. And 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 that robs us of hope, and, and yet to know. Whatever we're facing, like Miriam was saying, to remember that uh, God is there with us. And your first point was remembering who, who we are. We're children of God. We belong to him. Yeah. And uh, that's true whatever, whether it's good times or bad times. Mm-hmm. And it's an important anchor, I think, to keep hope alive. I agree. You know, I stole that analogy of um, Lion King when Mufasa comes and talks to what's it? Simba, Simba. Simba. Mm-hmm. and it says you've forgotten who you are you know and of course Simba's like well I didn't forget you I, I still remember you're my father I remember you're, you're dead and everything and then he kind of makes that point that well you've really forgotten who because you you've started to you know you've forgotten me because you forgot that you are a child of the king and because of that you are you forgot the relationship that we had. And I, I thought that was a great analogy because when you remember that you are a child of God, it makes it a lot easier to remember that you've got God on your side. Right? And, and I liked your Maya Angela quote where mm-hmm. she said, because of 
remembering that in her life too had made her courageous and yeah. I, I thought that was a great yeah um, a great way of looking at it well I, I really liked the Maya Angelou quote because I think um it wasn't until I had my own kids that I was able to really grasp the child of God, you know. And mm, I don't know if sure. that. And I, no, it does. It makes I think it's because sense. I can see how I love my children unconditionally, and I'm mm-hmm. human, and how that love for them is like just so there. Then I was finally able to like have this concrete grasp of like, oh, that's what they mean when I'm a child of God and He loves me no matter what. Like it's. It's how I love my kids, but yeah. like times a thousand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And sometimes you may not like your kids very much, but you never stop loving right. your kids. Wait, what do you mean? I've got a 14-year-old yeah. son. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. even when they are making poor choices, I mean, you're still there waiting for them and helping guide them. And yeah. I mean, just so many parallels there, there um, that have really helped me to get a better concrete understanding of kind of... I, I totally agree. And we adopted Parker, and I got what some of my seminary professors said, too. That they said, when you preach, you know, people understand family stuff. and But they until do. I had a child, I didn't see it as much Quite as that. I do now, right. too. I mean, you because, can love your nieces and nephews, and right. you can love other people's right. children, and that, and, and yes, you can get that. And so you get a sense of it, but there is something about having your own child that makes it and like we like to tell Parker, I mean, he's adopted, but he's our child, mm-hmm. and I would die for him. Well, Bible says we're God's adopted children, and Jesus died for us, mm-hmm. and he was again too. So, I mean, it makes sense. But that goes to that first point of that's who I am, it's who you are, mm-hmm. and remembering that is that kind of first step in keeping hope and mm-hmm. having healing. We can take that analogy a bit further. I want to share a comment here that Jim has said, if we're children of God, then Jesus is our brother. In the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of God, once again, making us children, brothers and yep. sisters uh, in Christ and all children of God. Think about... In your, if, if you have, if you're one of the people that's had children, or if you've been around parents when they've been with their children, they've been upset. You know, they, they fall down, they skin their knee, um, they're playing, and somebody's mean to them, and they come in. And especially this is when you're younger children. Not quite the same as when they're teenagers, although there are some parallels there too. But the comforting, calming presence that a parent has on a child who is upset or stressed out. Um, sometimes just sitting with their mom and their dad and kind of putting their, their head into their, into their chest or whatever calms them down and just allays some of the fears and some of the hurts. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's a human connection, which is, you know, just because we're human is, is a, a flawed connection, but it, probably the child-parent connection is as close as we can understand to the kind of love and connection that we can have with God. And if that's possible in a human connection, just it, to kind of visualize that idea when you're, when you're leaning into your faith, kind of leaning into God. By remembering that you're a child of God, that you can kind of lean into God's arms, if you will. Um, when I pray for people that are experiencing difficult, difficult times, I will often pray that God will just kind of put his arms around that family or around that person that's going through it. Because I think that is a visual that, that helps calm us. If we can remember from our childhood, the times that maybe our parents, if we had good parents, I realize not everybody did, but a lot of people have, um, when they put their arms around you, it can be very calming and peace bringing. And that's the kind of influence that God can have. 
My oh, wife's out of town right now visiting some of her relatives back in Atlanta. But last, So last night I was, Parker, the boys were home alone. Hmm. And uh, we were watching a movie on the couch. And he leaned, came over. He's still the teenager, but mm-hmm. he wanted to lean into dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, 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 I mean, what you were saying gets to that. It's comforting, obviously, even yeah. to a teenage boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The parents don't mind it either. No, uh, it's funny because right. teenagers are a little bit less free with the hugs yeah. and the uh, uh, affection. But every now and then. Yep. So remember that when your kids become teenagers, they still, especially boys and moms. I remember my son. I ha- I'm going to digress because I remember a really touching experience. Our son had gone off to college as his freshman year, and he came back for Christmas for the first time. And I was taking him out. We, he was heading back up to Colorado about the same time I was going to work. So we drove to the gas station and filled up his vehicle with gas. And um, it was, you know, that was going to be kind of our goodbye for several months until he came back, maybe for summer break. And I've never been a very touchy person. I was just not raised that way. Um, but I have learned to give hugs and to show affection in that way. Um, but it's still something I have to intentionally do. And I remember going up to give my son a hug and I went in for the guy hug, right? You know, I remember my son's 19 years old. So I go in for the guy hug, you know, and it's like the quick pat, pat, release, you know, see you later type of a thing. And as I go to release, my son just holds on to me. And, and it for, so for about a half second, it was uncomfortable. And then for about a second after that, it was, it was really kind of cool as my son actually held onto the hug for about a two to three second um, moment. And then we released and it was, uh, it was just that little bit of having our arms around each other was uh, very impactful. I still remember that moment. I think like as parents or, and, and God too, like when you're leaning in for those hugs, like um, the parent should probably be the last one to like release the hug. And should I be. feel like that's kind of how um, when you're leaning into your faith and like leaning into God like that, it's sort of the same thing. Like we're the, usually the ones that kind of mm. release from him first. Most likely. That's true. <laughs> Not him. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm going to use that as a segue because your next point was letting go and letting God. Leaning into your faith means letting go and letting God. And... Let's talk more about that, because I, I, I think that's sometimes a little hard to wrap our heads around. I mean, I, you know, the way I was raised in that, too, is you've got to keep plugging, you've got to keep going, you've got to do all this. And at, at what point do you, you know, kind of surrender that and put it into God's hands? Yeah. Now, you preached it, so you tell me. Well, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it really kind of goes back to what Tommy was saying, that if you're the one that's trying to fix everything and make everything better... Well, good luck, because sometimes you're just not going to be able to do it. And I did make a point in the message that there are times when we we are able to control things. We we are in a country and in a situation. You know, most of us are uh, in terms of the world upper upper middle class. But even in America, people that are middle class have an awful lot of control: what you eat, what you wear, um, temperature that you have to live in. You can control the temperature in your car, in your house. Uh, there's we do have a lot of control yep. over a lot of things. But at times in our lives, we can't. You can't control other people like you would like to sometimes. I mean, we've got some people here in our church that have children that are making really bad choices. And they just feel helpless because there's nothing they can do to make their children well. Um, Or some of the health stuff where there's just nothing. Health stuff is absolutely probably the most common. You can't 
you can't, you can go get treatment, you can go see doctors, but sometimes even that isn't enough. And, and so in those moments, if you don't release control of those situations, you are, you're just going to implode because you're going to be so stressed out about trying to control something you can't control. And, and Mary made a good point of that. It wasn't until she finally gave up, the fa- gave up to God the fact that she couldn't make her husband better and that she was just going to have to put the whole situation in God's hands, that she was finally able to experience peace. Because if you notice in her testimony, yep. up until that moment, yep. she didn't have that peace yep. that passes understanding. So I think that's a good point. Well, and I think, you know, just because when we started the sermon series, some of the people that kind of helped guide us there too, even the ongoing pandemic, I mean, it's been getting close to a couple of years, and yet there's really not, I mean, we can't control whether people get vaccinated or not. We can't control whether we have to, I mean, yeah, whether we have masks on or that, but I mean, what the state decides and all of that <laughs> most of us can't control any of that and at some point you have to just be able to okay you know i'm, I'm going to do the best i can under the circumstances with god's help yeah um and it's hard when i found that um because i constantly have this struggle of trying to control and then letting go of that control and it's it's when you Hat, when you think you're in control, it's it's just a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And there's usually something that happens that trips you up and you're like, well, dang it, I guess I wasn't in control the whole time. And it like <laughs> forces you into this situation of like, okay, yeah, I've got to let this go. Um, that's just plays on repeat in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so this is good for you to have to think yeah. about this. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's funny because there was those bumper stickers out for a while that said, God is my co-pilot. If you remember, it was years, years ago. And I always kind of looked at those. And I said, I, and I wasn't, I hadn't quite thought it through, but I always looked at that and thought to myself, that just doesn't seem right. Because that is a lot of American Christianity. God is my helper. God is there to help me find a parking spot. God is there <laughs> to, you know, for me in difficult situations to just kind of give me a little nudge. And once again, that goes back to this idea that we can control most things. And sometimes we need just a little bit of help, right? And God's just that little bit of help. He's kind of the genie in the bottle. Rub the bottle, poof, out comes God. We make our wish, and then God goes back in the bottle, and we don't have to think about him again until next time we need a miracle or we need a little. And this idea goes to the heart of that and says that is not the right way to view God in our relationship. Um, B.J. Gallagher says like this. He says, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's a lot better <laughs> letting him fly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that, that speaks to that control thing. Uh, God is a co-pilot means that you're still the one in control, and God is just there for a little nudge once in a while. And, and Miriam's condition and the reality of life speaks to the idea that you're not going to find a lot of peace that way because it still relies on you. Um, and the heart of this particular part of the message is it's not until you really, really give it to God that you're going to be able to find peace. Yeah, and, and I don't think that means we don't do anything. No, of course, you have right. to do what you can do. Absolutely. But I think sometimes people get mixed up. It's like, okay, well, God's in control. I'll do nothing. I'll do nothing. <laughs> I'll just sit there. <laughs> How does that joke, you know, the person on the roof praying for God to save them during a flood because everything's flooded. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. A guy comes along in a boat and the guy goes, no, no, I prayed to God. God's going to save me. All right. Well, helicopter comes along and no, no, I prayed that God's going to save me. Next thing, the waters come up and they drown and God, where were you? He goes, well, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. <laughs> you know? So.
when, when I think um, Miriam was able to kind of pull those verses out that she relies on, um, mm-hmm. it was really impactful because, you know, it's like she has these go-tos that are her, her constant reminders. And uh, I, I really loved that about her because I know she's able to do that in other situations mm-hmm. too, and, yeah. you know, when you have conversations with her. And I think it's a really good example of getting to know God more intimately and really um, understanding, you know, what he has for us and in store for us. Well, and, and Pastor Don, you spoke to that as well. And, and one of the things, I mean, that you said, you know, dig into God's word, and then Miriam talked about that too. And I liked how she also said, you know, you may not remember the words exactly, but you might remember the meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, because I'm not a good, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, one of my gifts is not memorization of, you know, exact wording, so to speak, but even just to remember the concept and to remember the idea mm-hmm. and all of that. But even though in order to do that, you do have to open up God's word. You do need to be receptive. You do need to be, you know, in prayer and things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of times people say, well, I know how to pray. Don't worry about it. I mean, just talk to them. Uh, you know, don't worry if you didn't memorize John three sixteen in the King James Version, but remember that, you know, God loves you. And because God loves you and the rest of the world too, he sent his son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think, but I think speaking to that about, developing that relationship so that you can lean into them. Yeah. I mean, it also speaks to letting go and letting God. You can't give something to somebody you don't know very well, that you can't trust. And the only way to really trust somebody is to have a deeper relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you have to get to know God more intimately. And one of the best ways to do it is through God's Word. I know that's <laughs> it's hard to speak about Lutheran Church because we we don't spend as much time with scriptures as maybe some of our more conservative brothers and sisters in Christ. But knowing God's word, knowing some of those verses that you can come back to for comfort, like Tommy said, is so very important. Um, Psalm one nineteen says, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." Uh, very hard to have that light if you don't know any verses. Spending some time with God's word, either in devotion taking outlines home and just spending time with the, like say you really liked a sermon, go memorize the scriptures from that sermon that were used to kind of unpack that sermon and they'll stick with you a little bit more. There's a lot of ways to get into God's word. A really good devotional that I've found um, in the past few years is the Jesus Calling. Hmm. And what I really love about it is that when you're reading it, you read it as if Jesus is speaking to you. Yep. And he, he's saying, like, you are my child, and this is what I want for her. You know, it, it's, it's written like you're sitting there, and this is what's being told to you. And it's not really about, it doesn't read like it's about God, but it reads as mm. if it's from God. Yeah. And I really like that. It's really helped to kind of make it more intimate um, versus just reading what feels yeah. like somebody else's words about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Some people think that to know God's word, you just got to read through the Bible. It's very hard to do that. Um, you got to personalize it. I don't like. I can't sit and read it because I don't know what I'm reading. I know. <laughs> uh, a good study Bible is another great way. So that the scriptures up here and then down below it is an explanation of the scripture that's up there. Or once again, this is why we do the sermon outlines for you guys. The sermon outlines for you guys, because we want to make sure that in the context of a message, you have scripture. So now that scripture has a little bit more meaning 
um, because you can see how it can fit into some different ideas and so forth. And even if you just took one of the scriptures that was meaningful to you each week from a sermon and spent time reading through it three or four times because it's up on your refrigerator, that's going to get in there. And so that scripture is going to be there for you in future times. Yeah, and, and I think, too, I mean, I've told people, too, you know, they'll say, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. And I'll usually say, don't start at the beginning. <laughs> you know, and that makes it hard just because, you know, people were so used, that's obviously how you read, but mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily the best way to dig into God's Word, right. too. So, you know, taking some of these hints, you know, in this day and age, uh, you're, let's say you're dealing with um, worry and you don't know where to go. Uh, you're on an uh, internet device right now. You go to Google and say Bible verses about worry. Amen. That's and all point. of a sudden you got a whole list of, of, of things there. I mean, it's just there's different ways of getting at this yeah. uh, and, and spending that time getting to know what God's Word says. Yeah. And then one thing, and I had to cut out some parts because Miriam and I talked for probably, I had about 20, 25 minutes of testimony there. And so this didn't get is into the testimony as much as I kind of wanted it to, but we just had to figure out how to modify that. But she talked a lot about sometimes you just have to believe. And mm-hmm. she is kind of one of those people that just believes. And then she talks about how the kids and how much she loves talking to the kids. Because if you tell them something about God, they just kind of believe it. As long as they trust you and love you, um, they, they, they just kind of believe it. And sometimes... That's what you need to do. You just need to have faith. And so, it's so funny to me. Some of the things that people will believe that are so stupid. (laughs) Don't go there. there. From like media and their (laughs) little media bubbles. Exactly. And yet, they won't believe in God because they can't fully understand God. Um, And faith, it almost takes as much faith to not believe as it takes to believe. Um, and I think Jesus speaks to that in Luke 18 when he says, let the little children come to me. And then he goes, he says, these words are pretty <laughs> black and white. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Hmm. He's speaking to belief. Some, he said, just believe. Children just believe. They believe in their parents. Right? It's not until teenagers they start to get a little angsty towards their parents usually. Um, although they will tell you when they're little they hate you, but they don't really mean it um, sometimes. Um, oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't, they might mean it in the moment, but they don't mean it from their heart. Have, you, have your kids ever told you they hate you yet? They're not old enough yet. Oh, but I would say, yeah, I think that there are probably times, I think Dave and Jan um, commented earlier, it might have been Jan that said that there has been times in her life where she has struggled with losing someone and, and has kind of, gotten really angry and kind of gotten away from her faith Mm -hmm. and so it kind of speaks to the same thing we can be you know angry in that moment and it might create that so true and jen that kind of honesty is appreciated too and you know we've talked about that and um it's understandable um why that could happen too yeah because you love your kids so much yeah Conditional love and conditional faith aren't going to get you very far. Conditional love won't get you very far in a relationship. As long as you love your spouse, only insofar as your spouse is doing certain things to meet the, that, the conditions of getting your love. Like or, the dishes. Like the dishes, for instance. <laughs> Just chores in general. That's right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that won't you get you very far. Conditional <laughs> faith won't get you very far. Although it's understandable to get angry and doubt God. I had somebody in my office yesterday, and they're a little angry with God because God is throwing them a terrible curveball in their lives um, with the health of somebody they love very, very much. And there's just a lot, lot around that. And they said, you know, right now we're a little angry at God. And, and I had to tell them that, that that's okay. But don't run away from your faith because of that anger. They don't understand why this is happening to them. Um, and once again, a legit, a le- very legitimate feeling. But they'll expound that if they run away from God and run away from their faith instead of leaning into their faith. Uh, and so that's an encouragement for all of you and for those of you that are on the podcast as well that are listening, that just because you don't understand what's going on doesn't mean that God isn't there. That's right. Right. And, and God can even God can handle our anger. Yeah, absolutely. And our questions yes, and our doubts. Exactly. Absolutely. But it just doesn't do us any good. Right. Um, and sometimes we just have to believe because we're not going to understand. And yeah, I, I, I've seen statistics. I can't recite it exactly, but the chance of you or me, Tommy, uh, actually happening—it's like one out of you know. 18 trillion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yet a lot of people will, okay, I, I believe that. Yeah. I don't believe God had any involvement in it. So, yeah. I mean, it's this chance of us hap- of me being the way I am is, is basically impossible to happen. Uh, and yet God has no role in that. And I'm going, you know, it's easier to believe in God than mm. not believe. Yeah. But so a lot of people just can't go there. Mm. Heard that, uh, you know, they look at the universe and how, how hard it is for life to come about. The chances of life developing to this situation it is now and the variety and it is here on Earth is the, the chances of a watch factory blowing up and all the pieces coming down, <laughs> falling down to form a working watch. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> but that's, that was a pretty good analogy. That is a good one. So... Um, I hope that those of you that are listening right now, maybe everything is hunky-dory and just all rainbows and unicorns in your Raise life. Raise your hand if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's the case, then once again, I, I pray that you are waking up every day and giving thanks for that because you should enjoy the ride. Yeah. Uh, as Miriam said, sometimes you're going up on the roller coaster and sometimes you're flying down on the roller coaster. And if you're going up, just enjoy it because eventually... There's going to be a time when you're going to end up coming down. It's just life. Um, And at those times, you're going to need to lean into your faith. But even if you lean into your faith in the good times, here's one of the kind of side benefits of that that's really cool. It makes the good times all that much better because you're able to share it with God and you're able to be appreciative and thankful uh, rather than just take it for granted. So don't just lean into your faith in the bad times, but in the good times as well. Well, and leading in during the good times can make it um, a little bit more of a reflex in the bad times. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, what is that, what is that quote that says, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? Yeah. Right? If you not spend any time with God in the good times, and all of a sudden you need God in the bad times, it's going to be a little bit harder for your heart to connect with God. Good point, Tommy. Thank you. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Good News from Good Sand. We ask that you would join us again for our next podcast as we continue to go 
And remember to subscribe to the show where you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And again, I'm Pastor Scott. And I'm Pastor Don. Thanks for listening, and we just hope you have a great day.